before we do anything, so I've got crayons here. Light green and a red. Light green and a red. Now, I need you on this paper here. I need you to draw with the red or with the green, draw a circle. Now, I need you to draw with the red a triangle. Okay, now I need you to use the red and fill in the red triangle. As soon as you're done, I need you to fill the space between the edge of the red triangle and the green circle with green. Using the green crayon. I'll give you a sentence. Out in a lonely pasture, I saw an image painted on a canvas. There was green and it was a circle. It was red and it was a triangle. And the two touched. And these represented the work of an artist that I had known. Now, what does that look like? Dill's going to hold this up, up his image. And if what he drew doesn't match what I drew, we're going to kick him out. <laughs> he's not going to be here. We, if he's not falling in line with us, out the door. I'm going to physically remove him. And it's good that that guitar is there because I'm going to make sure he steps on the guitar so that he gets extra emotion when he's going out. Okay, hold it up. So we got. Okay? Yeah. Uh-oh. Bye, Phil. <laughs> it's the same, always just not the same. It's the same, it's just different. Yeah, it's the same, but it's different. Why wasn't, why can't you see the same thing I saw in my head when I said that? Because we're different people, aren't we? We come from different places, we have different thoughts. Okay. No, we're not going to kick you out, buddy. I love you, man. You can go sit down. I did that to demonstrate how difficult it is when it comes to telling a story well versus making sure you understand the point of the story. Sometimes you'll read in the Bible and you'll say, what is up with this person? They just keep accounting details and giving thing after thing. And they say that they, they mention that the person said that three times. That's because they're trying to make sure you get the point behind what they're saying. They're not just forgetting. They don't have like schizophrenia and they're just writing random stuff down. The Holy Spirit is trying to convey a message to you and make sure you get the point. You get the point. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read the first. We're going to read the entire chapter. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. 
in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the water, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which are under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and gathering together the waters, he called seas. God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night, and let there be signs for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God said, And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly, and moving the moving creature that hath life, and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created, created great whales, and every living creature that moves, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day, or fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which 
is upon the face of the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creeps upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. Behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we come together and we look into your word, that we will pull the truths that you have put in here close to us, and we will live by those truths, that we will continue to grow and develop and become more mature in you and get closer to your heart. May we continue in love and mercy and continue into this passage looking for what you have for us. That's for all these things in your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. Now, Everybody in here has the exact same vision of how the earth was created, don't they? We all saw the exact thing, same thing in my head as I was reading those words. Exactly the same, didn't we? Nope. Okay. Who here has a reference? Well, let's refer to it as a study Bible. It has notes in it that are commentary by somebody, somewhere or another. Okay. Got three people, two, three people, I think. Um, the... Thing is, who here has ever heard of the gap theory? That is, verse 1 of chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Pause. Wait a billion years or so, or 17, or 16 billion. Pick up the next sentence. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. That is in most of your study Bibles. It became, it came about back in the end of the 1800s. It got put into our common vernacular and thought by Schofield. Schofield included that. Schofield also was something of a... Personally, he didn't really include this in his book in a clear way, but Schofield may or may not have believed in a form of evolution, like that God created a general thing and it kind of guided it. That's not very clear in what he says, but I think that's what he's getting at if you read some of his notes, especially in the first two editions, because now we're on the third edition, and some of his notes have been sanitized a little bit. I actually have a first and a second edition of Schofield, and they're a little different. <laughs> a little different. Um, but so you have a gap theory. Who here wants to tell me that they're a somebody's a heretic for believing that? Somebody heretic, we need to kick them out of church if they believe that. I don't know. I, I personally, I'll tell you my personal opinion, I don't think so. I don't think there was a 13, year, 13 billion year gap in between verse 1 and verse 2. But I don't know. I don't know that for certain. However, the issue lies upon the fact that you have, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The next line just says, and the earth was without form and void. 
So it just sort of feels like the Earth is assumed to be there. That's that makes sense for somebody thousands of years ago, because I mean, heck, it makes sense for us now because you're born. As far as you know, the Earth's always been here. You didn't know any different. Unless you went to school and somebody told you different, you didn't know any different either. It's always been here for our lifetime. But so the thing is, we have different issues in here. You know what's called young Earth creation? Old Earth creation? Some people just believe the Big Bang, God started the Big Bang and just let it roll through. And he just guided it along. And at some point, there were some monkeys swinging from a tree, and he picked two of them and touched them, and they became more human-like. And he put them in a garden, and we got Adam and Eve. That's actually, believe it or not, that's what uh, Pat Robertson of the 700 Club believes. That's his theory on it. That God guided it. He touched two animals, two, two, two monkeys, and just put them in the garden, and then we evolved from there. That's it. They're two high, more educated, highly evolved monkeys is what we are. Pat Robertson, his theory on this. And he said this on the 700 Club, so it's on, online. Now, can you tell me for a fact you know that didn't happen based on what we just read? For a fact you know it didn't happen? I don't know, because one of the points, and one of the reasons why they make that statement is because if we read, and we read this down here, and we start, and we say, not verse 9, it says, And the, God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place, and let dry land appear. And it was so. And he called the dry land earth, and gathered together the waters, and he called them seas. God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb, yielding seed, and fruit tree, yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in it upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and God saw that it was good. Now, they say that might kind of sound like things sort of evolved, like the earth was here and it sort of maybe it was grass at first and it kind of evolved and became other things. Okay? Now the thing is they have an even better reason for that too though, because what do we read if we continue on, and that is, go to uh, verse 20, and it says, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that has life. Ask an evolutionist what the, what the earth looked like early on. Oh, it was a big sea of water, and it was lapping up on rocks, and a scum formed, and that scum mutated, and it became a somehow became a living thing, and that multiplied and then formed, and eventually you got fish, tadpoles, eventually you got fish, eventually you got frogs and snakes, eventually you got humans and, and all that. And even that, it even goes in the same order, because first you got fish, I was talking about that, you know, and then it goes fowl, and 21 says, and God created great whales. So it actually goes, a whale is what? It's a mammal. According to evolution, fish, fowl, mammal. They say, well, there it is. Okay. All right. I don't believe that personally, but okay. Sure. 
Here's the thing, though. Is that essential to the gospel? Is that an essential doctrine to the gospel? Not really. Now, it can lead you in weird places as you grow. But, in anywhere in Acts, anybody who's read it, have you ever heard Paul say to him, Hey, by the way, what is your theory on how we got here? Nope. Did Jesus, when he was talking to the Samaritan woman, say, You know, I know all your sins and I know all this stuff. By the way, what is your thought on how we got here? Nope. The reason why is because God knows the eternal truth is if you can reach the person and change their heart, their actions and their thoughts will follow if they're earnest. Well, how do you change a person's heart? None of us can do that. Holy Spirit can do that only. So we need to get the people saved, and then they can figure it out from there. We can help them figure it out from there. It's not an essential doctrine. However, it is important that we answer this question, how do you read the Bible then? And this is a sentence that I've... I brought this up because I was in a debate with somebody who was going to be a lawyer, brilliant person. First, they were mopping the floor with me until <laughs> I was losing. Um, but this is the sentence I always tell people. When reading the Bible, remember, the Bible says what it means, and it means what it says. That's it. It says what it means, and it means what it says. Now, I said that because he actually told me that how do you say? He said, Christians are the only people that when they read, they hope the Bible or their holy book, they say, what does it say? They hope that it says what it means, but they also hope that it doesn't mean what it says. And what they're getting at is the fact that there are some harsh things in here. There are some tough things in here. Talks about God calling, you know, being angry and at and, and, wrathful towards the wicked. It, it, there are some tough things when they're out in the wilderness. Just don't do any work on this day. And one of the guys goes directly out blatantly and starts picking up sticks. And they have to stone him. That's tough. Tough. Did it happen? I believe it did. Did God say it? I believe that as well. It says what it means. It means what it says. <coughs> Can I know exactly why? Honestly, in that case, yeah. Because they were going to get ready to go out into a desert community. Living in tents in a harsh environment, you need everybody to be on the same page. If you have one person who's going to buck the system every single time and is going to say, you know what, I'm not following this God. I don't care what he says. He needs to leave. He needs to leave. He can't be bucking the system like that when you're going to go live out in the middle of the desert. He's going to cause division. He's going to cause strife. He's going to cause all kinds of problems. You need to cleanse the land of that cancer before it continues. So, the Bible says what it means, means what it says. Do we have a different view at times? Yeah. But, that's okay. That's okay. The important thing is, is to become familiar with it. So that if a person tries to use your own sword against you, you know enough about it to be able to say, no, I know what's in there. That's not true. I know, how to, I know what that means. 
Because I've heard Christians, young, unfortunately, young ones, raise them up. 18, we send them out to a university, to a den of wolves who are just looking to destroy and shred their faith. And we say, good luck. And we, what do we prepare them with? Oh, uh, you know, they had a couple Bible stories that they may have learned in church. And then they go in there, and these people are able to, again, you have some people who are wordsmiths. They just take the words and rearrange them and form them, and they just tear you up with them. But you need to know what's in there, and you need to believe that it's true, because this is our book. This is our sword. This is what we were given to know God. So we need to believe it. The first 11 chapters of Genesis get dismissed all the time. Just allegory. Just a bunch of well-written poems in allegory. I don't believe that. If you believe that, then what you're saying is the very beginning of the book, you can't trust it to be accurate. To mean what it says. How are you going to lay, how are you going to build a building without laying a foundation? You have to lay a foundation. Well, what's that first sentence? In the beginning, God. That's our foundation. And everything builds from there. Does it mean in the beginning, God? It sure does. Did it, say, it says he created the heaven and the earth, did he? He sure did. He created all the animals? He certainly did. And he did it exactly how he says. If we can't figure it out, that's our bad. But he told us. And we're to believe it. Now, I can't, I, I got to tell you, when I got old enough to start, I was a, I, I loved Egyptology and the study of Egypt as a kid. Constant. I couldn't tell you, though, how shocked I was when I was about 11 and I was reading a book. It was probably way above my, what I should have been reading. And I couldn't help but notice how similar the creation stories in Egypt are to Genesis. Now, Egypt is weird because it, it has four completely different religions that we all just call Egyptian religion. Basically, you have the first people, and honestly, some of them might have been prior, prior to the flood, because some of the stuff that they have, it's pretty old, pretty worn out, pretty ragged, but they, it comes from an area in Egypt called Hermopolis. Hermopolis comes from Hermes, who is thought to be a priest, who is a, pre, uh, is a giver of knowledge. To this day, you'll hear people use Hermes as idea in the New Age as one of the demigods who gave us knowledge from the divine. Also, we use the term hermeneutic in Bible. And hermeneutic comes from Hermes, and the reason why it comes from Hermes is because he's the first person to make a system of how you read something. You, you read it, you come up with, okay, what is the truth? And then you filter everything down through the truth making sure it doesn't contradict. It's a hermeneutic, Hermes. He's one of the first, and he may have been one of the first to really organize religion as we think of it. But there's a city called that, and that's the Greek name for it. It wasn't called that in their own time. But during that time, 
basically, they said, okay, in the beginning, there was just a vast ocean of water. We don't know where it came from. Don't know how long it's been there. As a matter of fact, it goes on forever and it's infinite and it's always been there. And from that water comes this, well, there actually it comes a set of eight gods. A male and a female, and they represent each level and each thing of nature. Basically, they say, okay, the water birthed land that came up. And then once the land came up, the sky lifted, air came in. And then you have moisture and rain and dew that would come out of the ground and come up, rain up and come back down. And eventually after doing that, you started to get grass and various things. And these elements were viewed as gods, the elements themselves. The rain was a god, the sky was a god, the sun was a god. So these are gods. Okay, so you have this vast, empty, open water concept, and it just sort of, oddly enough, evolves these beings and this stuff. But it's hard to know if they actually believed that or if that was more of like a story, like a fairy tale, how they told kids. We're not certain, because we can't go back and ask them. But that's basically a system. This is vast ocean. Something rises out of it. However, about the time of Abraham, about the time of Abraham, there was a city known as Heliopolis, or the city of the sun. The city of the sun, in its own days, was called Awanu. And they believed that there was this being called a tomb. And basically, he rises out of the water. There's a vast ocean of water. He rises out of the water, hovers over the water, and then begins he spitting or whatever onto the water. And he creates these other, again, beings. He spits on the ground. Grass grows up, he spits in the water, fish show up, he spits in the air, and it starts raining, and these sort of things. And he's seeding the entire, and the spit is a euphemism for if anybody can understand, can get that. But um, he seeds everything, and it has that concept. There's ground, he spits on it, up comes grass, up comes seeds, up comes Plants, up comes trees, has this sort of feel. Now, they're not exactly the same, but you can kind of see, let the ground bring forth seed, you know, ground, trees bear, bearing fruit and their seed within them. You can kind of see there's a similarity there. There's sort of a, all of a sudden we have this. If we read into Genesis 2, it talks about how that suddenly a mist rose up and came, went back down and became a dew on the land. And the thing sprouted. The same concept. A mist rose up and then rained back down and we got our land and things started to bloom. So we have the Heliopolis, which is about the time of Abraham. We then have a totally different concept, which is during about the time of Moses, there is a place called Memphis. The Memphis, the Memphites, they had their own form of religion as well, distinct from the others, but similar. But one of the things they had is they had a, a single god named Ta. 
Now, it's spelled weird if you're going to look it up. It's P-T-A-H. Ta. But Ta is not like these other gods, that he's an element. God is, their god Ta was a thought. He was thought. And he was a craftsman. And so he envisioned the world in his heart. The Egyptians thought your heart was where you thought. Your brain, they didn't realize you may have thoughts in your brain. They thought your heart was the center of thought. They, he, they, he would think them in his heart, and then he would manifest it. It would appear. But for man, was different than all the other creation. For man, he took a clump of clay and put it on a potter's wheel and began to fashion this man out of clay. And when it was done, he spit on it, and it became living. And it was man. Now, sounds kind of similar if we were to read. Let's go to Genesis 2 for a second. We'll start in verse 5. It says, And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of field before it grew, for the Lord, meaning this was in the ground but it wasn't showing up yet, for the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. There's similarities there. There's similarities there. There really are. And this was going on while, while Moses was living in the court of the Pharaoh. This was being taught. This was their main religion at the time. Now, here's what I want to point out. Now, there is actually another one, by the way, which was in Thieves. Thieves. But, and that's a little bit different. But in that one, you know, they, they altered the gods a little more. The thing is, though, is, okay, so you say, yeah, he kind of took something from the Egyptians. Well, that just that just nullifies the whole thing. I mean, he just stole it. You go, you go, go to a really, go to like Fuller Seminary, which is a seminary in, in Phoenix. They'll tell you straight up, well, they stole that from the Egyptians. He, Moses was familiar with it, so that's what he told them. Okay, that might be true to a point. He might have been raised up in the court, educated in this stuff, and he kind of understood this thought theology. Here's what I want to ask you, though. Well, everybody here, everybody here remembers 9-11, right? Y'all remember 9-11, 2001? Oddly enough, next year, children that were not alive when 9-11 happened will be adults next year. That, how weird is that? But that's, I never ever thought I'd get to the point where I'm going, man, I'm old. But I'm getting there. Okay. When 9-11 struck, I was on the internet back then. I've been on the internet since 94. So, but when 9-11 struck, you remember NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN? They're reporting there are up to 12 planes in the sky that we don't know who they are. The Reuters, up to eight planes are being detained. You remember they were detaining planes up in Cleveland Hopkins. They were having planes come down in Cleveland Hopkins and having the FBI swarm them and go in and check each and every single person, take them to NASA Glen, interrogating them. 
Eight planes. There were article after article written. Eight planes that could have been. Next, a couple hours later, six planes. The next day, well, we think there are as many as 40 terrorists. Well, now we're thinking there's 20. Now there's 19. About a month later. Suddenly, there was, there was the London Times. The entire, there could have been, there was attacks scheduled for both coasts. We now know there wasn't attacks set for just the one coast. There were four planes from the beginning. There should have been 20. One guy got cold feet. There are 19. They attacked the World Trade Center. It was a coordinated but small enough to, that, that it was able to get through. Okay, but you can go back and read the papers. And New York Times says one thing. Washington Post says another. CNN said something. Reuters was reporting a different thing. Times of, London, Times of India was reporting something totally different. Matter of fact, even a couple years later, we still hadn't done an investigation. People were just reporting all kinds of stuff that we didn't know. People had forgotten that the Building 7 collapsed into itself also. So people were writing stuff about Building 7 and people didn't even know it existed. Okay, so six different, I can take six different papers. They're all different. Different details, different things. Okay, so because I have six different things all talking about the same thing and they're all a little different, guess what? That means it didn't happen. Nope. Can't trust it. Didn't happen. Too bad. That doesn't work for us because we experienced it. But say I made the same case in 70 years. Well, you know, I can go, and I'm sitting there with a bunch of kids, impressionable kids, and I say, well, you know, I can go back and pull these papers. Look at this. Look at all the things. They didn't know what was going on back then. They were too stupid back then. We're scientific now. They didn't know anything back then. I mean, look, at they barely had the internet back then. Look at how dumb those people were. I mean, look, look at those space shuttles and stuff. They had... We got more power in calculators nowadays than they had in, the, in what they were going to the moon on. So there's no way those people were able to get information across the Atlantic successfully and stuff. So that didn't happen. Somebody just, somebody made up a myth and then somebody else propagated it and then somebody else changed it for their good. Or I have a novel approach. What about if the fact that all these different people have the same story but changed ever so slightly based upon their perspective or where they're living when they're telling it. What if the reason why they're all telling the same story is because it's true? Two things can be true at the same time. You can have elements of the truth and be wrong on the big picture. And you can be right on the big picture and have elements that are wrong. However, you want to view that. What if the Egyptians knew something? You know what? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Until that time, it was void and without form. And the Spirit of God hovered a thought. As a thought, as an, as, as an indescribable being that we can't, how can we describe the Holy Ghost? We use, in Greek, they say pneuma, breath. How can we describe him? Well, a thought? Well, he, he definitely works on our thoughts. 
He definitely gets in and massages our hearts and softens us. How do you describe the Holy Spirit? Well, maybe they had an element of truth. Maybe God had Moses put in the basket and raised in the Pharaoh's court so that he could be educated by some of the finest educators so that he could get acquainted with these stories so that when God had him out in the desert and was talking to him, telling him, hey, write this down. Tell the people about this. He could, he had all the details he needed to tell us how it happened. To tell us what really happened. He left out all the stuff about, oh, there's these little gods and demigods and the sky was in love with the earth and all this stuff. He left all that out because that was stuff that was made up. But he knew one truth in the beginning, God. Until that time, void and without form, the Spirit of God hovered among the deep. What if it was all on purpose? What if God has a plan? And he put people where they needed to be to learn the things they needed to learn. So that when the time came, they had the knowledge and the ability to do what needed to be done. If God has determined it, then he will also accomplish it through his workings. That is, if God has determined to do something in you, he will bring it to pass. Because the Holy Spirit is on the job. And the Holy Spirit is God. And he doesn't fail. What if... We know that this is true because everybody in antiquity, back when there was a lot fewer people and they all came from the same eight people that got off a boat together, they all had the same stories and they shared them and they added a little here and embellished a little there and they made nursery rhymes out of them so they could t teach the kids. But what if... What we read is what God intended for us to read. And he purposely left it a little vague so that when I read it, I'm able to say it says what it says and it means what it says. And yet somebody from a different background who wasn't raised in the same city I was, who was raised out in a farm or raised out in a country somewhere, Raised in a different country, raised in China, Africa, they can read it and they might not see it the same way, but they can know there's a vital truth in there and they can say, well, that it all works. And that's exactly how it happened. Because in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. That's the beginning. That's the most important thing. We can argue about details. We can argue about, oh, I think it was this, I think that. I'm interested in it. I love arguing about stuff like that. I do it for fun. But the most important thing is in that first sentence. In the beginning, God. And that's the beginning 
and we'll continue from there. Let's bow our heads today for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and for this time that we come together in your house to look into the book that you have prepared for us, the truth that you have given us, that we can receive it and know it and know your will for us. May we continue to guide our lives by your presence and your pooling. May we continue to allow this workings to work through us that your mission, that your plan will be accomplished in us. May we continue to grow as a church, as individuals, as a community. May you continue to work on this church. Continue to build it because we are not done yet. We ask that you bring all this to pass and with all your blessings and glory and honor be the only thing in mind. And all these things we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.